called Joshua, written thousands of years ago. Talking about a, a journey of a group of people from a place called Egypt, where they found themselves enslaved, and, and then going, being taken out of that land, being set free from slavery, being brought through the Red Sea, you maybe heard the story, how the waters parted, and then out into the wilderness, where they spent the time out there, and it was a time of testing in their lives, and then they crossed over the, the Jordan River, and they're about to enter a place of blessing that God had promised them. And so we see this, this story here that takes place many years ago. Now, what I want to mention this morning is that this is written, the story is written as a, it's really a metaphor, and it's a metaphor of your life. Now, you may think that you were never in Egypt, uh, you were never a slave to Pharaoh in Egypt, and you never went through the Red Sea, and you've never been out in the wilderness wandering around, at least for an extended period of time, never been across the Jordan, and never been involved in uh, a battle for Canaan. But what I, I would like you to think about this morning is that this is precisely where you have been. And that uh, this story that was written, you know, again, thousands of years ago, this is your life. You have been in Egypt, or maybe you are in Egypt. Egypt is a place of enslavement, enslaved to sin. You have to remember that sin takes a lot of shapes and forms. Uh, for some, it's, you know, sin is, the Bible teaches that all of us are sinful by nature. So we have these sinful tendencies, but they, they manifest themselves in all kinds of ways. For some people, you know, it's just going out and getting drunk every Friday night, or it's carousing around and, and living kind of a wild life. But that's just one side of it. There's another side of sin is for people to say, you know what? I can think that I think that I can be good enough for God and all that God has for me by simply living a decent enough life. I, I don't need a savior. Uh, I can ignore this whole thing about what God came and did on the cross for me. I don't need that. That's the sin that will send you to hell. In fact, that's really the only sin that will send you to hell is the rejection of Christ and the need for a savior. Any other sin can be forgiven, but that one can't be forgiven because if you don't receive the one who gives forgiveness, you can't be forgiven of anything. And so, you know, we've all been in Egypt. We've all been in this place of enslavement to sin. Uh, God has provided an opportunity for us to be freed. We've never put blood over the doorpost of our house, but if you believed in Christ, you believe that his shed blood on the cross was sufficient. So just as the angel of death passed over the Israelites because they had blood on the door. So the angel of death is going to pass over your life and is not going to bring judgment upon your life if the blood of Christ is a part of your life and a part of your faith. We have, if you're a Christian, you have been brought out of Egypt. You now have a new desire in your heart. You have a you don't always do it, but you have a new desire to please God. And you have a new power to please God. 
And so we, we see that it is a, a powerful thing that is being talked about here, and it's something that is a part of each one of our lives. God also takes us through times of testing. You know, it's interesting that when, when Jesus Christ starts his ministry, where does he end up? He's out in the wilderness for 40 days. It was a time of testing, and he was exposed to Satan at that point and temptations. It was his time of testing. God will bring times of testing into your life. He'll bring times when he wants to see if you really trust him, if you're really going to remain faithful to him. And so we all have this wilderness experience. You may not, you may have never been roaming around on the, the Sinai Peninsula where Egypt did, but you have your own wilderness areas if you look back over your life. And then there's the promised land. You see, Israel has come through the Jordan, and now God is saying, I have a place of blessing for you. And every battle that you win, you will take back ground and that will be a blessing for you. And in the end, I, I want you to bless you with all that I have, all of the inheritance that I have for you. And if you are a believer in Christ, you have been, the Bible says that you're co-heirs with Christ. God has incredible blessing that he wants to pour into your life. He has things that he wants to, you to enjoy. He has places that he, want, he wants for you to enjoy. And so you have in your life this promise of what God has in store. However, just like with what we're going to see this morning, these things in your life do not come often without a battle. And so God has places he wants to take you to, but often he has to rid out some kind of an enemy. It might be a lie that you're thinking. Uh, it might be a habit that you're doing. It may be a lifestyle that you're living that God needs to change. And if you're going to receive the blessing of what God has for you in that area of your life, you're going to have to fight that battle. I'd like to talk this morning about battles. Now, they, they come in all kinds of shapes and forms. We, we read that when Israel came into the Promised Land, uh, I read that there were 39 kings that had different pieces of land that they would have to conquer in order to take everything, you know, experience all of the land that God had for them. If you were to start writing down the battles that you face in your life, you might be amazed at how many battles you actually face. Uh, I'll just, let me just prime your, your thought process here a little bit. You have a lot of temptations from the world. Uh, the Bible says that the world is, for, is, a, is opposed to God. And that so there are systems in this world which are opposed to God. I'll just give you a very practical one that you'll face today. If you're going to watch the Packer game, you're going to see advertisements. Right? And if you get rid of your TV, just turn on your computer. They're full of ads. And what are the ads saying? The ads are saying you need more stuff. The ads are saying you shouldn't be content. I only have a 32-inch TV screen. Oh, come on. And they're cheap now. Right? I mean, the advertisers know. They, they, they milk this for all they can. So the whole system of advertising, which promotes all of the materialism in which we live, and we all battle with that, that's a battle that we all have. Our education system, we've basically taken, uh, we've taken God out of there. When we talk about creation and beginnings, you can't even, 
we can't even talk about that in terms of reality anymore. And so we have a God-less, God-less, you know, if you take something, if you take it out, it's godless. That's what that word means. We have a godless education system. And so as a parent, you have that battle. You have to, you have to be aware of that battle, which is uh, teaching people that things exist and things happen and things go about without a God. Which, by the way, is a huge offense to God. Because he is the one that should be given credit for everything, not only that's made, but everything that is sustained in our lives. So we have, we have that. We have the, the whole perversion of the whole system of, of what's right and wrong in sexuality. We have affluence. We have, you know, the world system that basically see, seeks uh, what's, what's going to be comfortable. Uh, be all that you can be, right? That's the message that our, our world system feeds to us. And so in, in this world, we have these temptations. One of the things we have is just constant temptations in all kinds of areas of our lives. And uh, you know, the Living Bible says in Romans 12, too, it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We have that pressure we battle against. We also have persecution. And it's increasing in our day. You know, if you if you were, in our day, if you get up and say, you know what, there's only one way to know God, there's only one way of salvation, that's through Jesus Christ. There's, there's no other way. Uh, you could have said that 20, 30 years ago, and, and you get a different response than you, you do today. You start talking about God's views on a lot of different things today, and not only will people disagree with you, people will call you discriminatory. They will call you racist. They will call you a lot of different labels for simply believing what the Word of God says to be true. And of course, in many parts of the world, the battle will be actually in terms of torture or prison and, and even death. So we have the whole world and all those battles. Just think about all those. Then we have second category of the flesh you know you can't get away with this one you get up with it you go it goes with you into the day it goes to bed with you at night now as Christians if you're a Christian you've been given power you don't you are no longer uh, you no longer have to be controlled by the flesh but that doesn't mean the flesh is gone and so there's going to come a day when, when we put off, the Bible says there'll come a day when we put off this fleshly nature and we won't have to deal with that anymore. But right now, you're in that battle. I'm in that battle. We can't get away from it. This one we all can relate to. We have, we have these appetites in our lives for all kinds of things. And the world knows that you know, our flesh is weak, and so it appeals to all these things. Whether it be money, fame, sex, all, the, all this stuff, all of our appetites, we have to battle and do battle with in our lives. Uh, the flesh not only has appetites, the flesh is born with a severe case of selfishness. It's about me, it's about what I get, it's about my, me, I, myself. And so this is something that we all have to deal with. Our flesh is very self-centered. So what do we have to deal with in the flesh? Well, 
Let me count the ways. Worry, pride, anger, self-pity, criticalness, bitterness, gossiping spirit, perversion of just about anything that God has made. Uh, the list just goes on. Our flesh. We have plenty of battles in our flesh. And, and then we have these bodies that we live in. We have sickness and we have infirmity. We battle the frailty of our flesh, which manifests itself in handicaps, in disease, in aging, and ultimately death itself steals away those that we love. There's a battle with sorrow and grief. There's a battle to stay you know, in the midst of that. There's a battle to stay positive. There's the battle not to doubt. There's a battle against discouragement. And we all face those battles. They're all part of the flesh in which we live. And then there's, the Bible says, if that weren't enough, that we have to fight battles with the world systems, we have to fight battles with our flesh, behind it all are principalities and powers, the devil himself. There are rulers and authorities. And these powers are so pervasive, so pervasive in the culture in which we live. You, uh, you, you can't get away from them. You know, they don't, you can't lock them out of your house. You can't schedule appointments with them. They don't wait for an invitation. They never knock. They just show up whenever they want, and their intent is always, always destructive. So we, we face battles with forces of darkness that are probably beyond what, what we can imagine. So what I'd like to do this morning, we're going to read three verses. From, from the book of Joshua, and this is right before the biggest battle that Joshua had ever faced. Now, his battle was an actual physical battle with the nation of Jericho. Now, remember, these, these battles that we see are, they're, they're basically intended to be a metaphor of, of the battles that we face in our lives. So we can take the principles here and we can apply them to the own, our own battles that we face. So I would hope that you would do that this morning. In fact, I would invite you to think about you know, what's the battle in your own life that you are facing this morning. What's the battle in your own life that you are facing? And uh, I'd like you to apply these principles to that. Here's the text. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemy? Neither, he replied. Interesting answer, isn't it? But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. The place we are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Well, before we just jump into the, the keys here, let me just say a word about Joshua. He's probably facing the biggest challenge of his life, Jericho. He's a, he's a military guy. He's, he's on the right seat of the bus. He's the exact guy that Israel needs right now. Moses was one kind of leader. Joshua's another. They need a military leader. 
They need someone who's tough, who's courageous, who can think strategy, and who can fight battles. And so this was uh, evidently Joshua had a, a, a unique ability to do that. He didn't have a lot of experience. Remember, he grew up as a slave. He was at least 40 years old before, so he didn't have training uh, when, they, when he left Egypt. His first battle was against the Amalekites, and we see that he, as we read through Exodus and the other books there, we find he had about three or four other skirmishes, so he maybe had maybe four or five at the most battles under his belt, and so not a lot of experience here, but he was a very gifted fighter, probably very courageous. He understood the importance of strategy, and so the text says now when Joshua was near Jericho, so what's Joshua doing near Jericho? Well, he's casing the place out, right? If you're going to take on a city, uh, you're not going to show up, you know, one morning and, and then on, on the spur of the moment trying to decide what you're going to do. No, you're going to figure out. So he's there. He's trying to figure out how can we get under these walls or how can we get through them or how, how do we go over them? Uh, there are any weak spots? Where, where would be the best place to come from? And he's, he's out planning, I'm sure, he's out planning what is going to happen. And so we see that this is where the encounter takes place. Right outside Jericho, uh, he's planning. You can't blame him. He's got a lot of responsibility here on his shoulders. And God comes and obviously wants to show him something very clearly. It's going to be our first point. He's going to show Joshua something very clearly that, that he also showed him in the first battle. And what happened in the first battle was they fought. They went out and... Joshua was fighting, and he noticed at times they were winning, and then he noticed at times they were not doing so well, and the momentum kept going back and forth, and in the end, they won the battle, and when, when he got all done, they came up, and, and Aaron and Moses sat down and said, Joshua, you know what happened out there today? And Moses had his hands up praying, you were winning. And whenever they he got tired and they came down, they started losing. And everybody knew what obviously had happened, evidently, there were other there are other powers here involved in this battle. And so here's the first point. You know, we and, and by the way, you know, when let me just just say this before we jump in. God had a uh, God had a strategy here, and I, I have a feeling that it, you know it was probably a little different than what Joshua was thinking. You know the story of Jericho, what the strategy was, uh, Joshua would go out, march around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, I want you to every, tell everybody to shout. And uh, we're going to take down the walls. We know that this angel had this conversation with Joshua sometime after this point in time. He didn't have it here, but he had it shortly after. And I have a feeling that Joshua didn't say, you know, that was exactly the strategy I was thinking maybe six times around, but seven sounds good. That's a no. That that was not. You know, we can only imagine that this was very, very different than what Joshua had thought of. So God comes and He interrupts Joshua in the in His plans, and He's got some important things for him to see. Here's what they are. Here's what you need to see in the battle that you face, whatever that is. Number one, you're not alone in this battle. 
not alone in this battle. And who is here? Who shows up here? Who shows up in the midst of that battle? God shows up. That's who it is. Uh, nobody believes this was an angel. Typically, when people fell down and worshipped angel, the angel would say, get up, don't worship me. I'm just, you know, I'm just God's servant here. This angel doesn't say that. In fact, this angel's going to say, you know what? You need to take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. This, this was God himself. This was what we call a theophany. This is the appearance um, of God to him. And, and he identifies himself as the commander of the Lord's army. Now, if you have a commander of an army, what else do you have? You have an army, right? There's no commander of an army without an army. So when you have a battle in your life, the first thing you need to remember is there is a God here who shows up with his army. There is a God here who is very powerful. That's, the, that's, that's what this picture is trying to, to show us. And so when you think about taking on a battle in your life, you should never, ever think about trying to take that battle on alone. You should always have a vision that you're not alone, that God is with you. That's what God does here for Jericho. Jericho's looking at the walls, and all of a sudden God says, Joshua, remember, don't forget, I am here. I am with you in this battle. This is the first great truth. And, you know, this is, we've all seen the movies where, you know, there's eight great fighting men, and they're fighting, they're taking on a whole army, but, you know, it's getting down, and they're losing their men, and, and it looks hopeless, and all of a sudden the, the camera scans the, the hills all along the, the hillsides, and up come these heads, and all of a sudden there's a vast army in and they rout uh, those who are at once winning here and they defeat the enemy. And we've all seen that scenario. It's kind of a little bit of the picture here. Joshua is looking at this. It looks impossible and God says, hey, open up your eyes. I'm here and I am going to help you in this battle. Now, there's a point here where people would say, well, where was God when I needed him in my battle? Where was God when, when I needed when my marriage ended and, and I, I prayed for God in this battle and it didn't, uh, didn't happen the way I wanted to the way I think it should. You can preach your neat little messages, but I was listening to a guy this week who, who described described trailer house on fire and standing outside the door listening to his three sons crying for their daddy. Couldn't get in. Cried out to God and, and God wasn't there. True story. You know, he's talking 20 years later. 20 years. Pleaded God with a passion. What do we what do we say in situations like that? we have to move to the second point because the second point speaks to that. The second point is this, and I'll need to explain it because it's kind of a cryptic thing, but there's really only one side. There's really only one side in this battle. So Joshua comes up, verse 13, and he says, so are you for us or are you for them? Which side do you want? 
the literal, the literal text says, are you for us or against us? And the angel said, no. That's a strange answer, isn't it? No. I'm not for you. I'm not for them. It's not about your side. It's not about their side. It's about my side. It's about my side. And that's the only side that you need to be concerned about that day. It's a really important truth here. Because, you know, we, we design our lives. We have agendas for our lives. We determine what we think purposes of our lives should be and how our lives should go. And we have things, obstacles that get in the way and battles that oppose us in the ways that we should go. And so we invite God into our battles. And God's, they were saying, God, would you come on my side? And God said, no, it's not about your side. It's about my side. You come on my side. Then you'll win the battle. God doesn't come on our side. We go on his side. That's how we win the battle. And sometimes our battles look very different. They look very different when we are on God's side rather than trying to get God to be on our side. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our heart thoughts. You know, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his thoughts above the earth. If we don't get this point straight, we're, we're not going to win our battles. In fact, we're not even going to know what the battles really are. So, on this one, my point, my point is this. Our goal should not be to get God on our side. Our, our point should be to, to get on God's side and submit, and this is a very important word, and, and submit our lives to what he seems to be doing he seems uh, to be doing. That, that's the key here in this text. Now, a, a word of caution. Sometimes our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. And, and I can relate to this. I'm One of my strengths when I do the, we have discovery class and we do, you know, what are your strengths? One of my strengths is strategic. And so whenever there's a problem, my mind immediately jumps into, okay, what are the steps to solve the problem? And I'm sure that's what was happening with Joshua here. He was using his strengths as a military strategist to figure out how to do this. And uh, if he'd fall through on that, it would have been a disaster. So sometimes our strengths can get in our way. Sometimes, often, I think God uses our strengths, but we have to be careful. Because whenever we use our strengths and we, we don't bring God into the situation, we act independently our, our strengths, and we often do that in our strengths because we feel confident in our strengths. And so we have to be very careful about strengths and how we do that. You know, if you can release yourself to this truth, it can be such a freeing thing because then you don't have to determine the outcome of the battle. Uh, you can allow God to determine the outcome of the battles. He's going to fight those battles in the way that he wants to. And it, it is his battle that he's fighting with us, but he's fighting on our behalf. If we do that, uh, there'll never be a failure because God has never failed the battle yet. He always will. That may surprise us. You know, Paul had a battle. 
Paul had a battle, and we don't know exactly what it was, but it was called a thorn in the flesh. And so he, he prayed for God to come alongside and help him win that battle. And God said, I'm not going to do it. You're going to have to live with this for the rest of your life. And uh, fortunately, Paul had a, a revelation so he could understand. We don't always get a revelation as to why God doesn't allow us to win a battle. Um, but sometimes we're not being obedient. Sometimes we're not doing what he's calling us to. But you know what? Sometimes we recognize God's presence. We invite him. We submit ourselves. And the battle doesn't get won. And, and God said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to let you win this one because... I'm fighting a different battle, Paul, uh, because your different battle, the different battle that you are going to be in is a battle of pride. And so we know that because you were taken up into the third heavens and you saw things that people, nobody else has seen, uh, lest you become conceited, uh, I'm going to allow the thorn to stay in your flesh. So God's ways are different than ours. And and so as, as God, uh, as we submit ourselves and just release ourselves, uh, to this, this is an important one. We need to realize that there's really only one side, and, and that's God's side. And that's the side that we want to be on. Lastly, lastly, battles, understand this, battles are the places where we get to experience the power and presence of God. Battles become opportunities to experience God specifically his power and his presence. It's interesting in verse 15, because here's this angel, uh, I think it had, not an angel, but a, whatever it was, I call it a theophany, it's an appearance, it looks like a person, but it was, a, it was God revealing himself in the form of a, of a person that Joshua could see and understand, speak to him. And so, you know, he... He says, what is, what's the message my Lord has for his servant? I, I'm thinking that he's thinking about that, that the messenger is going to tell him some kind of strategy here to do. But that, that was later on. It's interesting what he tells him. He said, what, what, what's the message? And the commander said, take off your sandals to the place you're standing before you. And so Joshua did so. And so the first thing we need to see in the midst of the battle, the first thing we need to know and see is we don't need to know the strategy first. We need to know who he is first. We need to recognize that, you know what? God just showed up. And when God shows up, everything becomes sacred and holy. That ground, there was nothing holy about that ground, but now all of a sudden it's holy. Why? Because God was there. Wherever God is, that thing becomes holy. If God's in your life, your whole life becomes holy. Now every aspect of your life, when God's there, it becomes holy. It becomes set apart for a special purpose. Not your purpose, God's purpose. So what is God's purpose for money in your life? What is God's purpose for sexuality in your life? What is God's purpose if God makes you uh, popular and, 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 and famous? What is, God's, what is that holy purpose that God has? Because if God's in the midst of our life, then every aspect of our life becomes holy. We see here that it is in the midst of these battles that God comes and his presence comes, and so battles become holy. You know, I don't like battles. I don't like struggles. I don't like to battle with things. 
but we have to recognize that battles become the places where you will experience the power and presence of God. So I'm going to ask you a very hard question. You may not think it's hard, but if you're honest with yourself, it's a very hard question. If you had a choice between a life with no problems, think about it. No illnesses, never go to the doctor, never get sick. A life here of, uh, you know, a, a life here as you live it out with, with no struggles in your relationships and just really, you know, how are you doing? I am doing great. That's your answer every day. If, if you could have a choice of a life like that or a life where you experience a lot of battles and, and you're on your knees crying out to God for, for the strength to know what to do and how to get through this, but in the midst of that, you develop a experience of and, and deep relationship with God. Which one, which one would you take? Now, you know, <clears throat> if you're spiritual, of course you're going to take this one over here, right? But that's that's kind of the easy answer because if I were to look at my life, uh, I'm always usually praying for this side right here. I I haven't prayed this week yet for another battle even though I've had them. I didn't pray for them. But God allowed them, and he allowed them for purposes because it's in the midst of those battles. You know, that's why when the people of Israel got to Canaan, I mean, God could have had it cleared out, right? He didn't have any problem clearing people out. But he wanted them to fight every battle one at a time because he wanted them to know him and to trust him and to walk with him in the midst By the way, sorry to say, but choice A there I gave you, that's not even an option. Uh, we, don't, we don't get that option. So our option is, in the midst of our battles, we can either deny God's presence and not look forward and become angry and despairing and cynical and disillusioned, or we can look for God's power and presence in the midst of battles, believing that he is working things out for his purposes, even though it often doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go. God is still winning battles. And we might think God's failed at winning this battle, but he's won other battles maybe deep within our own hearts that we never even realized were going on. So we need to trust God that as you invite him in, that he is going to do that work in, in your life. In your life. Well, in a few days, um, Israel would really learn this lesson that uh, God was sufficient for the battles that they faced. And uh, I'm going to invite you this morning uh, just to pray with me. And I'd just like to pray back through these three points and, and uh, just invite you to pray with me. Uh, <clears throat> Father, we uh, everybody in this room has, has battles in their lives. And, or maybe there's a specific battle that you want to bring to mind to people here battle that, that you want them uh, to win, a battle that, that you want them to give to you and allow you to work in and through it, and to do it your way, not our way, but your way, and to believe that you will do it your way, even if it takes a lot longer than we think, or it takes twists and turns that we didn't understand. So Father, might we uh, just identify those battles, and in the midst of them, might we remember, number one, that you are with us. We are, we're not fighting this alone. Uh, you have powers that are above all powers and all authority. And so you're going to win the battle. 
There is no question that you will win every battle that you are involved in. And so might we have that confidence? Might we remember that? Might it, might it grant great faith to us to face the battles and to believe that uh, maybe there's battles here that have people have given up on. They say, I just can't, I can't win this battle. So, Father, we know that if you're in it, you will, you will accomplish what you want to in it, and we need to trust you for that. Father, might we also just submit our lives and, and realize that this life is not about trying to get you to do what we think you should do, but this is about submitting our lives to you and, and surrendering and letting go. And sometimes we try so hard to hang on to the things that we want to happen in the way we want them to happen. So I pray that you would allow us to uh, just understand the importance of, of submitting our lives finally, that we would uh, just have, have this sense of, of holiness. Father, the same thing happened to Moses. You, you came and, and you said the same thing. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Now Joshua has his turn. And you show up there and, and say, Joshua, you need to take off your sandals because this is, this is the holy ground. And Father, you come to each of us and you want us to humble ourselves and take off our shoes and acknowledge that, that you are holy, that you can do anything, that your power is so great. And so, Lord, as, as you prepared Israel for this battle with Jericho, so you want to prepare us. And I, I pray that we would find this an encouragement today. But I also pray as we, as we talk about these great truths, that we can win battles, that we can blessing in our lives. I pray for anyone here who has yet to enter into a personal, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that, Father, uh, you might just allow, uh, allow anyone here to, uh, to see the truth of what you are offering and to uh, invite you to come to give every sin, to transform, to, to bring the Holy Spirit into our lives bring us into a land of great blessing uh, that you desire for all people. And so I just pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. We invite you to Connection Church. Yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Thank you. I've forgotten that a couple times. Uh, our ushers are going to come. And uh, last Sunday we shared a little video about Above and Beyond. This year, we are going to continue that. Above and Beyond is something we do to minister beyond our walls. And so uh, I'm going to invite our ushers to come on up, and they can receive that at this time. You guys, come on up. <clears throat> I'm going to talk while you pass. So. How many of you saw the video last week? Quite a few. Okay. Um, I just want to thank everyone that's been a part of this for 2016 because uh, there was a lot of significant impact that happened in places, you know, halfway across the world. And that was due to just the generosity of people being willing to share. And uh, for those of you who might not know what this is, we, uh, we've been ministering in Ukraine, helping a church over there 
build a building in the center of the city where they live. And uh, that dedication is this fall. Uh, we've been helping the orphanage in the Philippines and a couple of pastors there. And uh, they're in the process of building a church, building a, a parsonage for the pastor, and just the general support for the orphanage. Uh, we have helped start a new church in Stevens Point near the downtown area, which is now running about uh, 60 to 70 people. And so uh, they are very excited about that. And so we invested in that. And, and there's just a number of things in our, our local community here that we've been involved in. So, so thank you for being a part of that. And uh, I just know it's been a great blessing today. With that, I will dismiss you. And we invite you to connect with the prayer.